0: Good morning, Rose City. Welcome to another exciting episode of a Radio Geekly. I'm just Jess, and I am joined in the studio by some of our collective members. I've got Godiva, David, and Becky. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to 2018, folks. Happy consumer mess, everybody. Ah, <laughs> yes, indeed. The holiday season is over. Yes. Money was spent. My pocketbook has dropped significantly lower in dollar figures, mm. and yet we're here today to talk about that. <laughs> we made it, guys. Yes. We made it. <laughs> we made it. And you've made it, too. So thank you. Hopefully. Especially thanks to those that donated to the end-of-the-year mm-hmm. membership drive, holiday drive, I don't know how to describe it other than... We just love your donations. Well, yeah, and thank you for
1: supporting radio that people make that are like you. Yes. And all of you geeks, all of you awesome folks out there, hello. Radio Geekly is here to talk about all things consumerism. Mm. Or at least geek consumerism and how it relates to your cred. Yes,
0: yes. Uh, When we... When we're going to dive in today, I wanted to start us off with just a little bit of personal experience and how we have been personally impacted by uh, consumerism within geek culture. I know for myself, it happened a lot in my middle school and high school years mm-hmm. As you're transitioning and you're building relationships with people. The things you have often dictate who becomes your friend and who doesn't. So I was very much into uh japanese anime and though i didn't have enough money to buy the manga and all of that i still had enough money to buy the sailor moon keychain that was dangling <laughs> from my backpack
1: yeah, you did, um,
0: <laughs> and i was in so it's it was one of those things where in order to be cool or seen as a true geek it was what you portrayed yourself to be and the things that you actually had and i think this has translated even as I've gotten older as well, but in different formats, in terms of like consuming media from movies and television shows um, and things in the form of games and actual like physical materials, but in a different way instead of just the kitschy little cute stuff that you would hang from your backpack. So I'm curious to find out how each of you have kind of grown around this culture and if it's kind of dictated your geekiness and what you felt um, from going forward from now and like looking back at your past oh man who's first me go ahead (laughs)
1: you are you started saying things okay
2: (laughs) everyone's looking at me now all right um well i grew up in kind of a do-it-yourself kind of group in a really small town not Everybody had a lot of money, and I feel like the people I hung out with were all really creative about uh, art and comic books, and, you know, also, it's a small town, too, so I didn't really have a lot of people to, like, click with, but mm. thank God I grew up with the internet. So yeah. <laughs> I was able to connect a little bit with people online and, like, talk about my favorite things, um, comic books, Mhm. Another collective member just came in. We got excited for a second. (laughs) Yeah. I
3: um, I heard.
2: Comic books uh, and things. Yeah. Yeah, comic Uh, books, horror movies, all that stuff. And um, I feel like it mostly was like hitting a wall when it came to money. Because uh, all of my friends appreciated like the fan art I made. Okay. Or they appreciated like the fan fiction. But it was almost like they appreciated that I created it, but they couldn't appreciate the actual uh, thing that I was excited about. Hmm, Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And when it came to meeting other geeks – you have to spend money to go to cons. You have to spend money to, like, go to comic book shops. It's, like, I feel like a leech going in a comic book shop and just, like, looking around, like, hey, I'm not buying anything. I'm like. just loitering <laughs> for yeah. hours. Yeah. Yeah. The comic looks cool. I'm just going to stand here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's where I came from. The creating par- process of, like, the fan aspect, I really flourished in. But as far as, like, like I said, it was, like, a big brick wall of, like, where are they?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> where are my geeks? Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that you bring up the brick wall piece because I, I grew up with not very much money in like a major urban center, and so my resources almost immediately were the library hmm. or going into stores and just browsing or, you know, as I, you know, made more friends who had diverse interests, you know, being able to share with them and kind of being a part of a community. But that that can only go so far, yeah. I think. So you hit kind of, you know, like this glass wall, ceiling, glass <laughs> yeah. apparatus yeah. of some sort. And, you know, you're, you're unable to um, kind of interact with, like, a greater community in a lot of these, um, you know, person-to-person interactions or, like, the larger cons, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But again, like, it, it, thank you, Internet, for being the oh, great man. democratizing force of, you know for now. modernity yeah well for now yes and that's <laughs> another show but <laughs> 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 but but at the same time you know if if it weren't for resources that were freely available to the public my geekdom would look radically different and probably hmm. not be you know as deep or diverse as it is now hmm.
3: so it's interesting that you mention libraries because i can remember when Libraries like started to carry comic books Mm -hmm. as a staple, and it was like this is amazing, and this is also part of the reason I never got into comics. (laughs) Yeah, they're expensive. But um, along the same token, um, I mean, I I also see libraries now are starting to carry board game collections. Like West Slope Library in Portland actually has a board game. Yeah, they have a board game library. They're super friendly. Um, yeah stop on by there if you want to like check out a game and even the game shops now allow for game checkouts I think Guardian Games mm-hmm. and Red Castle both have a checkout if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm.
0: And also Cloud Cap Games and Selwood. Knowing from now, yeah, an <laughs> avid gamer myself. That's kind of my new consumption is to buy all the games and look at all the holiday sales that Guardian's having. Oh, no, they're selling all their inventory for the end of the year at 30% off. Better help yeah. them out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better clean the shelves with the things. Yeah. So That's I totally un- get it. Yeah. David.
4: Uh, I can see, like, when it comes to a butting against money and uh it's a uh, I hate to say this phrase because it just bugs me, but the slippery slope of of collecting that I would fall into where once you start like, oh, I need this Alan Moore comic. I find a cheap, you know, the next thing I know I'm buying every uh, Swamp (laughs) Thing comic (laughs) or or Garth and I'm like, I can't do this. There's no way I'm ever going to get what I want, you know, because you'll never have the money and someone, there's going to be, you know, thousands of people who are always going to be better than you in this field. So finally, I like I. Thank goodness for things like the library. I was like, I'm done. Like, I watched an episode of The Hoarders, or I had a room, or <laughs> I, I had a, a, a neighbor, and his whole entire basement was, like, you couldn't walk through. It was all models and, wow. and wow. plastic. And you, you look at these amazing walls of, like, of these, you know, oh, I love all these toys, but you're like, I can't be that. Like, you got just, I'm just thinking of the dust alone. Like, you want to live in that space, but you can't, like, I can't personally exist in that space, because... Because I can't afford it, and then just the upkeep of it. Like I would love to have. Like I'm glad that these people can show it off to me, because mm-hmm. then I want to go appreciate what they've done. But mm-hmm.
5: man, they're, they're, But
4: but it doesn't make you know doesn't make me want want it any less. I still just have to it's that self control aspect of things when yeah. you see stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's always interesting too with those people that are hoarders or collectors, if you will, <laughs> that they actually do not consume the content they're like i just bought this first edition marvel comic but it's in a frame that i want it to you know not get deteriorated and my fingerprints greased on it so i'm mounting it on my wall but those you know geeks out there that actually want to read the content and follow the storyline don't have access to that so it's like where what's the you know where's the ground like the even ground for people to actually consume at an appropriate level
4: I'm, I'm i'm i understand that because i'm so anal and i want things to be so nice that i wouldn't be able to enjoy it yeah i, I see like my nieces and nephews playing with legos and they're like throwing stuff around and 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 i give them <laughs> they like, go to a set i have <laughs> so i have, have these old like my old toys that are that live at my parents house still and then you know my sister's kids come and they just destroy the stuff I'm like, man. I spent my entire life keeping this stuff as nice, you know. I never, I never played with this, and here you are, just throwing around like you don't care. Life is so easy for you kids, and then, yeah. And then, but I just got to step back. You know, they're having fun. They're enjoying it. Like, yeah. who, who else is going to enjoy construction toys? I don't the know. The intricate
0: <laughs> brick system that is Lego. I, I gotta yeah. let it go. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and I'm glad that other people can enjoy it, but, but, you know, I wish I could get to that level. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, you know, I don't think that there's a chance for us um you know within uh capitalism or consumerism as you know an idea for there to be wide scale sharing in that way because it is predicated on having money mm-hmm. you know for folks like you know who you described that have you know these massive collections it would take you know kind of a you know shift like a cultural shift for them to see the value perhaps in in You know, opening that pack for one time so it gets digitized and then therefore put on the internet so that everybody could access it. You know, same for games like Magic the Gathering. Uh, Across the board, like, there is hardly any free access to that game. You have Mm -hmm. to yourself buy all of the cards, and in the chances that you would be able to make it less expensive, it's still expensive because you are going online paying for a subscription and paying for cards right so unless you have like a magnanimous friend or (laughs) you know magic yourself upon some magic then you know it's difficult to access some of this stuff and it would take i think a cultural shift for us to be able to take the resources we have the privilege of
0: having and turning them into community resources Mm -hmm. so as as We're all kind of describing the overall arching thing that I'm noticing is the lack of money and funds to actually access this stuff. Would you see it, and I'm kind of kind of stretch it here, but would you see it as a form of gentrification in terms of geek culture, whereas the people that have the money can actually be bigger geeks than those that can't afford it? Would you consider those people being ostracized out of geek culture because they can't afford it? I, yeah,
3: <coughs> and then, yeah, that is fascinating. And I think we, we have to um, sort of think about this in terms of magnitude and flavor. So I, because I see like magnitude, you can have a large collection. Um, flavor would describe the sort of theme or genre of that collection. Okay. And in terms of gentrification, at least the trend that I'm seeing um, when, I, when I go to various friends' houses, look at what people are buying, look at what, what's popping up on eBay, I see that one of the signs that I think is, is indicative of gentrification is um, old school games in near pristine condition going up on ebay and then winding up in people's collections but those those folks are are basically they have the money to repurchase a a pleasant piece of their childhood or their their potentially departed geek self Mm -hmm. um to sort of reinvigorate that so maybe that's a level of gentrification um I mean, you could make an argument for VIP badges at conventions. Certainly, being an ah. element of gentrification, ah. I hate those things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, I think there's a few different aspects that we could access to this, um, um, and and I also want to touch upon uh, cosplay because cosplay, I think, has the most obvious sort of stratification of gentrification. Now, granted, that's not to say you can't you can't build a costume for on the cheap. I've mm-hmm. seen amazing costumes built <laughs> for like a hundred bucks yeah. and just a lot of time. Yeah. Um. But I also noticed that even in cosplay, you can also, uh, if you don't want to build it, you can just go online and you can find people who will build you, you know, a a amazing boffer sword, um, which is a sword that's basically
1: made out of foam that you can hit your friends with safely. Makes <laughs> me think of the noise. buff. <laughs> it's a, a great. Uh, what's that word? The, it's an automata it's i like that it? though is we it? can yeah. use yeah. that on, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 it is So <laughs>
2: okay now yeah, it, it is yeah <laughs> Yay.
3: so you you don't have to build that if you have the money you can appear as if you've built it but it will run you like 100 bucks for the sword 300 for the armor right but you can be anything but in, in cosplay there's also been a reaction to that which is Cos pobre mm-hmm. and you. Oh, may-
0: what is that, Rob? Please explain.
3: So this is one of my favorite search terms of late. Um, so it's uh, you may have seen images on Facebook about quote unquote terrible cosplay. <laughs> so that is a whole sort of um, uh, underground or maybe not underground scene where it's doing uh, costumes as cheaply as possible, and it's apparently a big thing in South America. Um, so you'll you'll have these South American uh, um, geek conventions you know uh, what board games comics whatever uh, and a whole section or, or uh, uh, attendee uh, portion of this will come in these incredible Incredibly cheaply made costumes. So if you've seen a picture of like the Iron Man who is uh, like wrapped in it looks like Saran wrap okay. around uh, construction paper, yeah, that's so cause pobre*. You yeah. look
2: this up a lot. Do you know how to pronounce this guy's name? Because I don't want to butcher it on the radio. Do yeah,
0: Gadiva has uh, pulled up some of some searching on the internet. In
2: Anucha.
3: Anucha. Uh, thingchart? chart.
2: He's the yeah. most okay. popular one that I've found online. I see him on Tumblr all the time he'll like dress up as a power ranger and have like a footstool as the helmet with like a black blindfold (laughs) as the visor and like Mm -hmm. yeah or he did um how do you pronounce it maleficent
3: oh maleficent
2: yeah and then he'll have like a pillow as like the (laughs) the, yeah the neck piece and like
3: i've seen amazing thor hair with a yellow plastic bag yeah
1: (laughs) I am. I, I want to kind of take a look, deconstruct the idea of gentrification. So, mm-hmm. like, the, the definition of that is what forcing out a historically marginalized community from, like, the area that they live in in order to have people that have more money, like, move in and take it over. Right. So I, I would wonder how... Um, um, this this other how do you say it caspobre caspobre yeah how that fits into um like this idea of gentrification of geek culture and then how maybe like its trajectory over time w- will actually be an act of gentrification hmm. you know what i mean that's a really oh
3: you make <laughs> such <laughs> good points uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i, I in caspobre's case i think it's actually it's like you know, setting down the base of your pike and being like, "No, we're not moving." Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you can bring your fancy costume. Yes, you can bring hundreds of, th- or hundreds mm-hmm. or thousands of but dollars. But we can both than- be Wonder Woman at the same yes, convention. Yes, and we will be at the same convention.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just wonder what you know, like the trajectory of appropriation might look like for this, and and then the idea of a, a you know, gentrification within geek culture means that. You know, like, who who are the marginalized groups that are being forced out of geek culture? That
2: is something I feel very strongly about. Right. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: yeah. is, is it the creatives? Is it, like, you know, folks that bring their own stories and then it, it, they're appropriated by, you know, um, you know, massive companies right. or, you know, I, I would argue that we need to take a look at that sort of route there mm-hmm. because, you know, like... You know, consumerism has its basis in classism, in access to resources and privilege, but it's also, I think, something else. Like, it's more than that, I would say. And consumerism is one, like, view of it, but it's also, like, who gets the representation? Like, all of the other questions that we contend with.
0: Yeah.
2: And when you were uh, handing out the notes on what we were talking about, uh, when you mentioned gentrification... I was thinking more of, uh, like I mentioned, Star Trek, which I'm not dissing the new movies for Star Trek, but you know they completely changed. Well, not completely, but they gave a huge chunk of change to the characterization. Um, of, like, Kirk being a womanizer, and he punches people, and he kisses people, and there's ladies in their
1: underwear. Even now. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and it was,
2: like, it started out with this idea where, you know, Gene Roddenberry was on a soapbox, basically, like, talking about um, current issues about, like, birth control and, um, you know, like, the follies of war and all that kind of stuff. And then now, in, like, more than 50 years later they took that idea that people love so much and then they were like how can we mass market this right. and make money off of it right and I feel like that's a really h- difficult thing because especially with like comic books too which I totally love because there's like a lot of idea mm-hmm. behind it I know a lot of my uh, friends like in the punk community too can like relate to a lot of the stories because it had all those strong messages right behind the stories and yeah. now it's just like oh we're making so much money off of it because people
3: to coordinate a monthly test of the emergency alert system through broadcast stations in the greater Portland, Vancouver area, including Clackamas, Columbia, Monoma, and Washington counties in Oregon, and Clark County in Washington. With the cooperation of public safety broadcasters and cable operators, this system informs you of events that pose an immediate threat to your life, health, or property. If this had been an actual emergency, official information would have followed the alert tone. This test was originated by Clark Regional Emergency Services Agency in Vancouver, Washington. This concludes this test message.
0: And we're back here on a Radio Geekly. We are talking about consumerism within geek culture. We started breaking down our thoughts on what we uh, defined consumerism to be, how it impacts uh, terms of culture in gentrifying ways, and you know classism, if you can, if you want to put some labels on it. But I also wanted to talk in terms of consumerism as a form of escape. So the more people consume the tendencies to be more isolating um, or a drive to try to create friendships and relationships turn out to be more of an fantastical format in terms of online relationships versus actual physical contact with other human life forms. So um, what are, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on the terms of like, Consuming so much to the effect of like social interaction gets depleted. So, it's. I know it's I kind think, of a heavy question. Yeah, I
3: think I think we uh, to back up just for a hot second. I think the case could be made that, um, what geek culture, at least what I've seen in games, usually serves potentially one or all three of the following purposes. So escapism, and that's the potentially the most popular one and the easiest one to exploit from a consumer aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's also enablement and augmentation. So enablement is um, what when we, when we make a system that grants access to potentially a body of content or an experience that would not otherwise be accessed by a certain group or pe- of people um, or individuals. And then augmentation is the juiced up phrase for uh, education. Um, so you could augment your thinking about strategy through games. You could augment your understanding of history through the lens of comics, you, um, so on and so forth. So um, I, I wouldn't say that escapism is the only route that geek culture takes or, or is the sole focus, but it's the most easily exploited. Hmm. Um, because, I mean, you know, you're, you're basically just tapping into an addiction. Um, and and this might there's a term that, that I also kind of always occupies the back of my mind and the term is comorbidity. Um, so that's when one sort of malfunction or disorder or you know issue uh, causes another one to get well inflated or blown out of proportion. Okay. And with, with escapism, I feel that comorbidity enters the equation often. Um, because you know, what, the, the easy um, way to tie this into, say, you know, departing from other you know, human contact is, well, if you have agoraphobia in the background, um, then that or agoraphobia can form a comorbid relationship um, with a hoarding disorder pretty easily. Hmm. Because it's like, well, I'm not going out of my house. What am I going to do instead? Why don't I start collecting? Oh, yeah, collecting sounds great.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
3: um, just reel me back in. Where where are we going with this? So
0: I, so I was just uh, just kind of seeing where we think that issues could arise from the lack of consumerism. I mean, from the lack of um, interaction with society because of the overarching need for consuming, you know, content materials, etc., and how that could lead to certain. Um, I hate to use the term disorders, but and for for sake of am i brain farting right now a uh, disorder in terms of escapism and agoraphobia and things like that like there's so much pressure to consume to keep up credibility as a geek that you tend to retreat into your own little sanctuary and so you end up becoming you know your own fantasy you end up becoming isolated all i'm thinking things of that you want all
2: i can think of right now is the uss callister From Black Mirror, is anybody else picking (laughs) up on that the escapism? And then you become your own bad guy, basically. Is anybody else getting? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really have much to do with uh, the um, consumerism, but. Well, I don't know. I think that might. As far as as a negative play in isolation, it's he didn't. Did he even realize? that he was the bad guy i don't, I don't know
0: no
3: because he was always playing the role of of the good guy the captain. captain yeah um, mm. the the you know kirk to the nth degree captain yeah um but no i think that that's a good uh sort of what uh, um uh that's an extent to where the product consumption can go where if uh, you know and this is Completely opposed to the goal, the whole goal set of marketing for you know nerd culture and other other products. But um, so if you if you create a product that is so immersive that it just doesn't need other people, then you potentially have a perfect well consumer equation on your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you have a huge social problem. But I think the solution to some of these uh, some of these issues where you know. Uh, where you can counteract the, you know, retreat into yourself in a collecting habit or an obset- or obsession about some sort of content um, is with forums and potentially like online interaction with yes. other people, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking about what you are passionate about is the way that you sort of get out of your hole. And also how you, um, how one can, you know, mitigate the urge to collect everything. Well, you don't need everything if, you can share things as a community right and that eases the economic burden on all members
0: Mm -hmm. and i think also too having those creative collective like maker fairs and stuff is a good way for people to kind of hone in on their creativity but also be able to um, expose it to like-minded individuals because i think that's also could be an issue as well it was like well, I'm so into the Marvel comics, but you're into DC. Like, how can we be friends? And it's like we're all gonna go to Comic Con, and hopefully, you know, I'm not gonna throw my baffle sword at you. Like, <laughs> it's 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 harder, I think, in larger uh, environments and settings that way um, to see that as being a positive experience. You know, and I mean, we've talked last year about conventions and the and the over marketing and just. Insane things that happen at these giant conventions and how uber expensive that they are. And speaking with those artists and creators that are local that cannot even afford to put their stuff out at the convention because the table space is so ridiculously expensive that they can't even rent, you know, a table for two nights or whatever. Gentrification. <laughs> so, so so it's just interesting and how, like... In a way, there's so much creativity that's happening, but yet the accessibility to it is getting blindsided by all this mass market. And so seeing from my perspective and like a lot of these geeks tend to retreat and to isolate. And when you're talking about forums, Rob, it led me to believe like forums can also be great to a certain extent because there's also the term troll that happens on those forums as well. And it's like, where do we have that filter to know, like, you know, these actually these people are actually going to be helping me grow in my creative abilities versus they're just attacking me because they think, you know, Captain America can't be a Nazi. You're dumb. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, I just wanted to kind of open that and see what your thoughts were on, like, how how that can also be a problem, like how consumerism can actually outspread to these other Avenues.
4: That's that's twice now. Did Captain America become a Nazi?
0: (laughs) He, uh, uh, it, uh,
2: it's in the newer comics that just recently was like the last year, Mm -hmm. maybe two, and he joined the group that he's been fighting. He joined Hydra, basically, which Uh. is uh, they based off of Nazis, and so Captain America apparently has secretly been a Nazi this whole time.
4: Uh, That makes sense.
2: Mm -hmm. And they don't use the (laughs) word, but they've just been basically defiling his character since that happened, I guess. Um, They showed a comic of him online and like, you know, like talking smack about like people of color that were like commenting on his comic and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I email. can see why
4: that would make people freak out. Well,
2: yeah. yeah, if you're a person of color that you're trying to enjoy your life and read comic books, and then you see that like you're paying money for this comic that doesn't appreciate you, like that kind of sucks, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm.
4: Oh, wow. So I was yeah. thinking more of a thought, of, thought experiment and a different avenue to take something that. I know, I like to think of characters as being malleable. You can make them... You can <laughs> That's make, like,
0: that can also right. be a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. It's... Well, then, well, then there's also, too, within recent years that there was a comic that was released having Thor be portrayed as a woman, and there was, like, giant lashback of just, like, Thor
5: was the god of... whatever,
0: You know, and, like, squids of anger were just, like, spewing on the internet because they could not believe Thor could be portrayed as a very powerful woman. And and so it's like you were saying, David, like characters and comic books can be malleable, but we all have to realize comic books are not real. Yeah. You so, know, they could mm-hmm. be based upon real events, hence the creativity that comes out of that. But they're not real to life, you know, So th- stories th- and stuff.
3: That's a good dissection of like how how the online forums can act negatively toward the content um, and, you know, the interpretations of that content that are being uh, put forth. Um, but I, I think it's worth mentioning that um, sort of a side side note is that something wonderful can also happen in these forums mm-hmm. and, and what fan conventions and interest groups, and that's fan fiction. And I think right. it's important to note that the phenomena of fan fiction is key to transferring ownership getting back to consumerism <laughs> um transferring ownership from the uh originator of the con of the content to the con to some of the consumers of the content or all of the consumers of the content um case in point uh is hp lovecraft um and that i think pretty clearly illustrates how uh fan fiction can improve the lexicon and the reputation of the lexicon because no, H.P. Lovecraft may have been a bit racist, um, mm. Mm, but um, but the the Cthulhu mythos is kind of awesome, um, and fan fiction allows us to take the goodness of the Cthulhu mythos, improve and expand upon it, which is awesome, um, and and move it out of its roots in you know a, a potentially bit racist author.
0: Yeah, Yeah. we're taking
2: this from you. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Yeah. if you are interested in joining the conversation, we are taking calls today. So if you have something you would want to add to our conversation, feel free to call 503 231 8187 and our wonderful board operator will gladly take your call. We are talking here about escapism within geek culture that stems from geek consumerism and what that could look like. And next, I wanted to um, talk about possible ways that we could resolve some of these issues of consumption, of escapism, of isolation, of, you know, social anxiety and things like that. But first, I want to just take a quick music break. So if you have a moment you would like to uh, give us a call, feel free. 503-231-8187. We'll be back in just a couple minutes.
6: I need your help at one point in this song. I'm gonna scream party blowers solo and all of you have to pretend to be party blowers.
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay? Yeah. okay.
6: guys in a lot of good video games. Bowser and your opponent in Pong, the Pac-Man ghosts and Donkey Kong. But one bad guy, he stands alone. He will never tire. He sits there on his blocky throne and he'll be there till you die. You see that no one can defeat the man who throws the Tetris piece so higher, higher, no straight piece. I
5: I need a well just give me a just give me a straight piece.
6: been a villain like the
5: guy who throws the piece.
0: Uh, and we're back here on Radio Geekly. We're talking about consumerism, escapism and the uh, just the overarching need for money yes for money and things and stuff and oh man it's just been so so crazy we wish we had another hour to dive deeper into this conversation but uh for now i just wanted to kind of wrap up as we're closing in on the final few minutes of our show i mean we still got a good 20 but we could uh talk forever on this topic i wanted to see if possible like solutions resolutions um, conclusions from consumerism, how we can improve it, how we can make a bigger impact on things, um, how we can give ourselves space to be more inclusive in the things that we consume or consuming in a, a, a better way. Um, but right now, I wanted to uh, bring in one of our callers. We've got Alan on the line. Good morning, Alan. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing good.
7: I've, I've been I'm at work, so I'm off and on. And you wanted to focus on inc- uh, the relationship between being inclusive and being less uh, c- consuming. Less was that what you wanted to specifically focus on?
0: Yeah, just just overall in general, how there is such a need within geek culture to consume, um, and why is that such a big factor in terms of whether or not you are a geek?
7: I see. It's almost like we're addicted to consumption because we're under so many. Pressures with uh, politics and war and,
5: <clears throat>
7: and, and um, low levels of education and racism and propaganda. It's almost like it's an addiction to consume, like smoking a cigarette or having drugs or drinking. Right. All these escapes from reality.
0: Yes. And I,
7: I think about this all the time, and I was, it just occurred to me the other evening, um, because we need systemic change. And I think, this will sound off the wall to you a little bit, but I think one of the easiest things to do would be to eliminate uh, the profit motive in business, get rid of the stock market, and uh, nationalize the central banks so they're publicly owned. Hmm. So there'll be be no incentive to profit off of debt. So they won't make profit from war, they won't make profit from mining, they won't make profit for shareholders.
0: Interesting. Interesting yeah. Alan I, I yeah I, I uh, thought that's an interesting uh, idea in that so we're gonna stew, stew on that for a moment but thanks thanks so much for your input and thanks for for listening.
7: Okay, thank you.
0: Yeah hmm so yeah,
4: th- there is' uh, there's something that well, with uh, what was talked about earlier, I guess something when it comes to con- uh, I guess consumerism and um, geek culture. It it to me in many ways it's a it, it's a, a balance of addictions, and and that's, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I see, I uh, I see people who do the whole geek culture. You know, you might say to the nth degree, a little overboard. They're spending what they shouldn't be spending because mm-hmm. they don't have the money, but they still invest everything they can into what their passion is in this case. Mm-hmm. But it makes me wonder what, like the mitigating of addic- addictions of other things. I could see these people doing something not exactly that's as healthy for their lives. This may not be the most healthy avenue anyway, but, but this is often what people do to get, you know, this is what people do to, to make themselves sound. And you could see them doing much more harmful things to themselves if right. they weren't in this realm of reality. I don't know. It's, 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 in many ways, I can see that. Like, well, if this guy wasn't doing this, he'd be, you know, he'd be getting that 175 every couple of days.
0: Hmm. hmm. Interesting. That's That's a good point. Yeah.
3: I don't know. It's no, no, totally. Um, yeah. I mean, of course, we want to. We w- we want to, you know, uh, wish the best life for everyone possible, and short of that, replacing a uh, more harmful thing with a less harmful thing is a positive direction. So yeah, I can totally see where where geek culture as like a balanced addiction, as you put it, which I really like. Um, is is potentially a useful tool uh to to serve a purpose of getting someone say away from you know whatever it may be uh what uh drinking too much cutting yourself um whatever much better to replace that with say you know what buying a pack pack of magic cards in place of you know buying y- you know your sixth uh you know 40 uh, ounce for the day mm-hmm. um yeah so i think yeah replacement sure yeah, and and especially replacement uh, in the in the instance of something that would otherwise be more chemically um, sort of habit-inducing uh, with something that is less chemically habit-inducing. Going back to the you know alcohol reference, um, yeah, I, I think that is a that's a good point about how yeah we can leverage the the quality marketing the potentially intrinsic addic- addictive potential of certain aspects of the geek culture um to do good or at least less harm <laughs> less harm yeah. That's yeah it's
4: kind of a darker avenue i didn't no, no, no. but I, I yeah you could you see it so yeah way. yeah
3: so um and <clears throat> so I, I was thinking about the um, uh, about back to the idea of people being forced out of geek culture via gentrification, and I wanted to circle around to conventions with a metaphor. So I, I was thinking about PAX, because I think PAX is the uh, kind of the only one that I can think of off the top of my head where competition for passes is really intense. Because what is PAX? Yeah. Oh, Penny Arcade Expo. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the come large, on. <laughs> largest game convention in the United States. Uh, it, it has a ticket queue where when ticket sales open up, I believe they're down to like five minutes, and they sell out of somewhere in the neighborhood of what, over 100,000 tickets. Wow. Um, yeah, and it just gets crazy. Um, but I think that there is a natural, and this is me endorsing, oh, God, a free market. No, 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 no. Um, But there is a natural flow to this thing where in the event that you have saturation, I think the normal social and market response is to um, uh, pick up what is being dropped when something reaches saturation. So in the case of PAX, it makes sense that someone else would think to schedule another convention similarly themed um, at the same time, <laughs> because they know that not everyone is going to be going to PAX. That's absolutely certain, because PAX can't grow anymore. They don't have more tickets. Hmm. Um, and you, you could even picture this like uh, like having, what, two glasses of water on a table, a tall glass, and a short glass. Um, so if you fill the tall glass all the way, yes, there's going to be water spilling onto the table, And it's just a matter of time before somebody sees the amount that is being dropped and simply makes a little glass to catch it. And maybe that little glass can address the new startup, uh, um, what, geek cultural aspects, like Cospobre, like, uh, what, there's even a version of magic! There's a version of magic that is like Cospobre. It's called Peasant and Pauper. Um, And it's basically you can only build decks with commons, and uncommons on un- uncommons un- that's where you get into pauper C- only commons is peasant and it is a near perfect solution for the for the woes of you know your your average magic player because it just limits everyone to an even playing field is no longer about what you bought it's about how you play mm-hmm. and you know it, it, it balances the whole competitive aspect away from money hmm. so yeah I, I think there's there are solutions and they're being innovated in real time and we're seeing more of them now.
0: Well, geeks find a way. Yes, we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I liked. I was reading an article that talked uh, about uh, Patton Oswald like um, praising geeks because not only he was saying that ordinary geeks don't participate in the making or running of just running after just what is made ordinary geeks like myself are not just consuming content but we are becoming experts in creating it yes so it's one of those like you know geeks will find a way it's like i think there's more hopefully there's more of a desire to create something like you know the the fan fictions like the the popper game, like, you know, having these conventions that are more affordable or even free. You what? Know. free what? What? Yeah.
3: Wait, where, what convention are you going to?
0: <laughs> it's, you know, one of those things where it's like making, making access uh, more available for people like the library, you know, having more content for people to check out and uh, be able to observe and, You know granted you might have to wait six months or a year before that latest edition is within your local library but if it's going to be six months to a year of you actually still being able to enjoy something then it could be worth it right so um thinking of actually like the intelligence that is within geek culture there's always going to be some other avenue that's going to take it to the man so to speak and like these mass media markets and and granted it's i just watched the latest star wars last week you know i didn't wait in line i didn't you know buy the expensive pre-order tickets that were released in october to go and watch it i was you know i waited to to watch it at a very like smaller theater less less time less money all that kind of stuff so we do find a way to consume but i think ultimately we need to be aware of the reasons why we like the things that we do why do we consume what we consume
4: is it true that chewbacca's been a nazi the whole time then is that the
0: whole time (gasps) david i don't know spoiler i I haven't seen the movie yet so i should just
4: i should just go watch it yeah.
0: yeah but it's it's just you know we really need to ask ourselves like Does the fact that we have all of the action figures, you know, lined up along our bedroom window, does that make us more of a true, you know, comic book superhero geek versus the person that spent years and years and years trying to go to the library and reading all of these stories and actually understanding much more about the storyline than what the entertainment industry is It's is so portraying. interesting,
2: too, because, uh, I mean, Disney wouldn't have bought Star Wars and made, like, three movies or however many more movies that they're going to make unless there was, like, so much consumerism that they thought it was a good investment. So without all of the excess consumerism, Disney wouldn't have bought it up and made all these like more movies, so and that and now they've recently
0: purchased Fox. They haven't and, done you know, it yet, but mm. that it, have I, they? I uh, think it has been confirmed. Yep. Yes. Oh man. And so now they will own over half of the media that's being it, produced. Mm. Scary.
4: I, I, so I, you know, yeah, I gotta. This is not, I guess, a kind of consumerism. Disney doesn't make stuff anymore; they just buy it. They own the Muppets. They own Marvel. They own Star Wars. Now they own Bart Simpson,
5: mm-hmm.
4: which, you know, it's, it's frustrating because if it weren't for them doing that, these new things wouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. You know that. But also, like, I really, I really hate seeing Disney's Star Wars and Disney's now The Simpsons. Yeah. And what that's
0: what big cause, I mean na- Yeah, now it's going to be more, you know, the Pixar is going to be basically one of the only things that is actually coming out of. Disney. Disney is Pixar. Everything else is going to be. No, D- you know, Pixar created. wasn't
4: by Disney. Pixar was. Dis, is that what you are saying, or?
0: Yeah, like in terms of like the only content that's going to be coming out of Disney, the corporation oh. itself is going to be.
4: No, Pixar, Pixar. is there. No, you got that wrong too. Disney does have their own anima- their own animation studio, and that's where F- Frozen came from. It was revived by the guy who now has been ousted. I think he's been ousted for the whole sexual. Uh, purge that's been happening i can't mm. think of his name but anyway that's that's another side thing but <laughs> that's another episode but uh no pixar was the george lucas creation and then uh steve jobs and then disney bought it pixar is not the same thing disney knew pixar's got the money
0: no so what i'm saying though is like like you were saying that disney doesn't create their own content they just purchase other yeah. that are coming out from that so it's oh so we're talking the same be, thing oh, all right. so it's gonna be things. it's gonna be more of those you know like where's the content actually coming from who's actually creating it and what's actually going to be recycled and things like that so uh,
3: i feel like we're witnessing uh late stage capitalism applied to storytelling hmm. um and jess i want to hmm. circle back because you made my brain do like a hard right turn okay. um with like uh, the question of why do we why do we enjoy the things that we collect, mm-hmm. and I think an alternative answer from you know uh, the well it fills a space that would otherwise be filled by you know other things or negative feelings. Um, I think there's something to be said for connection to story, and uh, and story is a very tangible representation of a a slice of civilization and or history. So the so you could say tangibly, the more things I collect, the more connected I am to my favorite story. Hmm. Um, and this is a good feeling because you know uh, storytelling is potentially the the root of civilization, um, you know, right up there with what uh Agriculture and you know, in prostitution. Pro- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say increased protein consumption, but that's much funnier. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, I think we've got another caller. Good morning. Who do we got on the line here?
3: Do we have someone? Do, on we, line? Have, do we have <laughs> a caller here? Phone Land.
0: Hello. Oh. Good morning.
3: Oh. We hear Good you. Good morning.
0: Oh, is it Fortunato?
3: Yes,
6: guys.
0: Good hey. morning, Good sir. One- The one thing I'm just thinking
6: about with this Disney acquisition of uh, a fox, one word, Firefly. I don't want to say (gasps) anything more. Oh, (gasps) who is right? Brown (laughs) coats, yes. So, um, you know, you talk about geek culture. I think part of it is that we made it. It wasn't made by, it wasn't sold to us. And Now, I think it comes, a lot of the origin is in the Marvel Comics and when in the 60s when Stanley talked to the readers and there was like a fan club and he had his little soapbox thing and people started instead of, started collecting the comics because they cared about the way Marvel was presenting characterization over just concepts that were being hmm. done at the other comic book companies mm-hmm. and so by the 70s when the retail distribution of comic books was drying up um, independent distributors stepped up. Uh, people who had bookstores who could sell new comics, stepped up and we got the new the specialty stores, the direct sales market. And, and so there was a we made it ourselves. And so uh, now that the larger companies they're kind of getting wise to it, but still, it's like it's what we kind of like or dislike that gets out of the end of the day. Do I want to stand, Two hundred and fifty dollars on this cold cast reconstruction of the first appearance of, of the comic book cover of the first appearance of Supergirl, or do I want to eat tonight? You know, there's like, yeah. <laughs>
2: so. I've had that argument with myself many times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Big questions. Yeah. That. Thanks yeah. for that. Thanks for that insight, Fortunato. That's that's something that we all need to be aware of. So. We made
6: it ourselves. It's what we want to look at, yeah. and it's not what we're told to look at. Yeah.
0: Brown coats yeah thanks for listening
2: well it was kind of like uh the star trek convention that we talked about a couple of shows ago too like fans created that fans created so much um with fan fiction and fan art and they had their own zines. This is like way before the internet existed and they would Mm -hmm. like mail the fan art to each other and um, they would get the stars of the TV show like Leonard Nimoy and they would uh, bring him out and hear his critique and Dee, DeForest Kelly and Mm -hmm. um, the fans created that and it was such a big phenomenon and like now I, this, for the first time in my life, I had some money to spend, and I had to fork out, I think, with the plane ticket, the hotel, uh, just the general ticket to get in. I think it was about $2,000 wow. to go to the convention in 2017, and it, that's a huge gap of just a bunch of fans hanging out with the celebrities, sharing their fan fiction and their fan art for mm-hmm. free. They're all just sitting in their living room making quiche for Spock, you know. Yeah. And now it's like I got to rent a hotel room and you know what I'm saying? It's a mm-hmm. huge gap from creating it. The fans supporting and helping in the creation to yeah. forking out 2,000 books. <laughs> well, I really
3: like the idea that, um, especially from Fortunato's story about how uh, comics went to direct distribution, I'm like, so it's like old school Kickstarter, mm. right? So I'm like, yeah. And, I mean, thinking about what's on Kickstarter, yeah, we see conventions, films, music, games. Right. And it's all more or less, well, I mean, granted, businesses have have sprouted up around the need to take care of people's distribution needs. Mm -hmm. But it's still, the content is still being created by these folks on Kickstarter and being uh, sold directly, now with a direct money line, which just irons out the whole process.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think the uh, conclusion that we have drawn is geese will find a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dollar signs cannot keep us away. We will find a way to consume what we enjoy.
2: I think if you help support, especially on Kickstarter,
0: the small timers to, mm-hmm. you know, find mm-hmm. independently
2: made comic books and <laughs> yeah. help them out.
0: Yeah. 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 Go take... to those maker fairs and yeah. attend those yeah. zine symposiums, you know. Got yeah. Be...
3: 20 bucks? Take a risk on someone. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Help somebody out, and if you get something for it, awesome. Yeah. If you don't, you definitely help someone with a learning experience to pursue their dream.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, cool. Well, I'm glad we've had this conversation. We could, like I said, talk about it for at least another hour or more. But I wanted to thank everyone um, in the studio for chatting with me today. Before we sign off and uh, continue on with your community radio station's awesome programming for this Friday afternoon, I wanted to bring up some upcoming events that you can check out here in the Rose City for the month of January. On January the 7th, that is this Sunday, is the No Pants Max Ride. (laughs) In downtown Portland, they are meeting at 2 p.m. at the Skidmore Fountain. You can go on to Facebook.com and search PDX No Pants Subway Max Ride 2018 for more information. We were all discussing what that could entail and i think some of us just might have to attend <laughs> Agreed,
3: for research purposes for research yeah. purposes exactly Pure research
0: <laughs> uh on january 13th and 14th at the oregon convention center the walker stalker convention otherwise known as the zombie convention will be held more information will be found at walkerstalkercon.com also on january 13th at 7 p.m OMSI after dark will host the bourbon and bacon fest Mm.
5: Mm. that's
0: all i have to say about that uh information and tickets can be found at omsi.edu and finally january 26th through the 28th at the airport holiday inn is the international cat show if you love cats you should attend this event more (laughs) info can be found at tncc.org i think i might just bring my cat just to show them how cute and that if you don't is. love cats,
3: what is wrong with you? <laughs> no? No, no. Okay. no,
0: no, we all we love everyone here. So thank you all for listening. Stay tuned at noon for moving on, and uh, we appreciate all of you for your input. Thank you for those calls that came in, and we will catch you next month. Take care.